Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. And we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection. Well, today on the podcast, we're looking at the final, uh, not really the final day in Holy Week, but certainly the most climactic uh, one in Holy Week from uh, one perspective, and that's Friday, what we often call Good Friday. So we talked a little bit about that on Sunday, and so we're going to take a deeper dive into that this morning. Debbie, why don't you get us started with a couple places that, right. that you want to head? All right. Um, we're going to get to the tearing of the... Um, uh, of the veil or the curtain of the temple. Um, but before we get to that, one of the things that I didn't uh, get to on Sunday um, were Jesus' last words. Um, right. And um, um, I, I I always pronounce it, um, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. I don't know if that's right or not, but, you know, um, but but those words were really the beginning of Psalm 22, and um, Mark goes on to translate, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Right. And um, that can be kind of upsetting to us when we think the Son of God Himself felt abandoned by our God. However, um, there are a couple of things here. One um, um, that. That is the time in which he took on all of the sins of the world. And there is um, one train of thought that says that um, that God turned his head um, away from Jesus at that time because God can't stand sin, and that's the moment when Jesus took on that sin. However, um, I always like to, um, to, to take another um, look at that as well and look at the rest of Psalm 22. Often, um, during that time, someone could utter the beginning of, of a scripture, and that represented the rest of the scripture. Um, they, all knew, sure. they all knew them. Right. Um, and uh, I don't have a modern-day example of what that might be like, but... Um, um, well, if you said, I pledge allegiance to the flag, sure. everyone could yeah. basically recite the rest of that, yeah. and they would yeah. know that you were calling that out as... Yeah something yeah yeah yeah. that's that's a good illustration so when jesus said that um all those around would have known what he was talking about and so um that psalm is not one of abandonment it is a psalm of hope and so i would ask you to just go into your scriptures and and look at psalm 22 and um and what I see Jesus saying there, um, and maybe he was feeling abandoned at that time, and, and if that's the traditional reading of it, that's okay, but there's more to it. Um, he's also saying, God wins. <laughs> God will not abandon us. Um, there is hope for all. Um, and so I, I really like that. The other thing to think about is that Scripture said he shouted out, um, that was something that someone that was crucified, um, any normal person crucified, would not be able to shout out. Um, one of the one of the things that happens at crucifixion is that um, um, you can't get breath, and um, to shout would be. I mean, so that in and of itself is says that this guy was different from the ordinary criminal. You know, that he he had the lung capacity. 
to shout out? You know, I mean, yeah, you're, you're kind of going, eh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. Um, <clears throat> and it could be that they were just, that that was their, um, their interpretation. But I just thought, wow, I, I had never thought of that until this year. And sure. I thought, yeah. oh, that's kind of interesting that maybe that's, did he shout? And if so, that is a miracle in and of itself that he was able to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, it certainly, it certainly at least points to his very strong will to say these things yes. um, because that would have been extremely difficult to yeah. do. And yeah. Very much an act of uh, real determination right. um, to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, anybody want to say anything else about that before we turn to something else? Uh, shouting out may have been simply because of that nature. The fact he even spoke right. to them was something mm-hmm. different because of the suffocation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they broke the legs of those being crucified most of the time to complete the process of death. Uh, and he was already gone, so they didn't break a bone in his body as the scriptures have prophesied. So, yeah, it's interesting people's interpretations of what shout might mean. But anyway, that's just yeah. a random thought from the corner of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that random thought. Well, um, and, the, and also, I mean, this the what people thought was a, a call for Elijah to come right. and rescue him is also right. Um, an interesting aside in that in that passage as well, right? Um, you know that they took that not as necessarily a Psalm twenty two reference, although they they probably well did, but saw it as a um, as a call for rescue from you know in this tradition that Elijah would come uh, alongside mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. as that messianic figure and and uh, to have them be uh, still somewhat aware of what this meant, but not fully aware of what it meant as well. You know, Mark is really good at doing that throughout his gospel. And even in this, this uh, highly um, high, big action climax point here, he still stays with that, I think, which is, um, which is great. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about um, uh, the temples, um, the curtain of the temple torn in two. I, I said in the sermon, that I would talk a little bit about that, and um, and the reason is that um, I didn't have an opportunity to really talk about what the curtain was like. Um, and as I as I researched it, um, we don't know a whole lot because that inner temple nobody went to. Um, there is um, some thought that it was four inches thick. Um, that that would be a pretty thick t- uh, curtain. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we translate it as veil. You know, we think of a bride's veil, which is very flimsy. It was not at all flimsy. Um, well, it was assumed. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Herod had added uh, 10 feet, if I remember right, mm-hmm. to the height of the whole temple court area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the veil was likely someplace between 60-plus feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how wide um, but four inches thick. I I believe it took ten or twelve priests just to carry the thing, if I remember right. Oh yeah, um, I read somewhere we're three hundred. So I oh, mean, really? that's quite okay. the difference. All right. Millions it took millions. Millions of people to carry. <laughs> anyway, it was very, 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 very large. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was this would not have been a small thing. Um, of course, I'm 
I'm going to give you both sides of this. Um, there are some that say it wasn't literally torn into. It was figuratively torn into. See, I'm kind of at the school of, I don't care. I don't care which way that goes. If it was if it was literally torn into, cool, God could do that. Um, but we know that certainly it was figuratively torn into, that that um, inner, inner, inner sanctum was no longer necessary, that we could come before the throne of God and um, and and I again look at the fact that Jesus <laughs> could see that could see the temple from where he was. Um, well, let, let's talk just a little bit about the the holy of holies and okay, not just its location, but what that what that meant in the the, the life of Israel throughout the you know the, the transition from Egypt to the tabernacle to the temple. Why was that such a set apart place what about it was um why, why was it off limits yeah i I've, I've been chewing on that for uh, uh some time just in the random thoughts of randy <laughs> uh which are sometimes dangerous but um what really happened whether it was the temple or the resurrection is that uh, the relationship with god changed in a big picture sort of way Uh, Going back to Moses on Mount Sinai, the people said, you go talk to God because we're scared to be in his presence. I don't know if that some of that was contained in that God then went to a holy of holies where people would not literally see his glory because they couldn't look on it. Uh, I don't know if it changed that relationship because in the Old Testament, most of the time, he worked through spiritual leaders of his choice. And when the temple was torn on the day of resurrection, at least in my mind, it opened up the door that everybody, Jews and Gentiles, could be a part of that relationship. But that Holy of Holies had to do with his presence being there. Uh, And his presence was... uh, uh, much different interpreted and understood, uh, I think, in in some ways than we understand it today. I understand he's omnipresent today, everywhere, all at the same time, same place. I'm not sure what their capacity and where they were in terms of that understanding. It was Their understanding was more he was locked into that Holy of Holies when he came and dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Um, well, there is also, that's part of the oppression, I think, of the people when the temple was built, that um, um, there was a hierarchy, um, and the people were, uh, the general people were at the bottom of that hierarchy, and um, I, I don't know, but that time was the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies, was it still, yeah, mm-hmm. so, and, and that was the <clears throat> um, the symbol, um, I mean, that was God, um, and, and not... It, you know, as as um, Israel was wandering through the desert and they didn't have a place, um, um, and they were were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they were setting up, taking down, moving, um, they weren't able to do that. And so when they got to the temple, um, and um, and and in my estimation, um, went a little far in terms of of that hierarchy and in protecting the protecting the Ark and. Um, Isaac yeah. has a word I can tell. No, w- well, I think it's, you know, when you look at the establishment of the tabernacle, it's not a, an issue of presence or, or no presence. Mm-hmm. Like this presence is contained. It's a more of a geographical differentiation. Like it, there's a near presence and there's a 
further away mm-hmm. presence. And Israel seemed to be very Israel, the nation seemed to like God near, but not too near. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like there's mm-hmm. a like we like the benefits of having you fight for us and having uh, you in our camp. But when we get too close, like Moses did, there are some consequences to that, at least in their estimation. Um, looking at what happened to Moses and seeing his face, uh, that kind of stuff. So there's some there's some real kind of mixed, I think, mixed emotions for mm-hmm. the nation of Israel as to how close do we want to be uh, to this God that is, you know, good for us, but also slightly dangerous, mm-hmm. right? In terms of in terms of presence. Uh, not in a, um, not in a terrible way, but right. in a kind of great and terrible, mm-hmm. uh, a terrible way. And so that gets fixed in location, you know, at the temple, and starts to make that that change to again this systemization of access instead of kind of this uh, center of of radiating presence. It becomes a locked up right. container of. Um, not even God's presence necessarily, but really just uh, kind of political right. uh, access and control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, Which, you know, some people are like, well, it didn't really even matter anyway. You've got a lot of, once once Israel goes into exile, the synagogue then becomes more of the um, the place where uh, the real stuff's happening, mm-hmm. sort of, which is mm-hmm. why Jesus starts there and, and then mm-hmm. ends at the temple. But, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it just kind of says something that um, uh, only a certain priest can go into the Holy right. of Holies, and then only once a year. Right. And and uh, and Jesus on the cross just rips that apart. It says no. That's that's not my my heart is open to all of you in a very in the same way. Um, and and mm-hmm. so uh, the tearing, uh, the the ripping of the curtain in two was also kind of an in your face to the temple authorities, <laughs> sure. and uh, say it's not about you, right. it's not about who you are, it's not about your rules, it's not about the way that you take advantage of people, right. it's about my relationship with the people. Yeah, which is a constant, which is a constant thing, right? That, that happens certainly right. through all of Mark. Right, sure. I, yeah. and I I love that, yeah. you know, yeah. but um, but sometimes we we miss that kind of political um, statement there. It's interesting. Um, I, I've said the the covenant between us and God has not changed, but the terms of the covenant have changed. In other words, I believe that part of the covenant that he will be our God and we will be his people still stands. The terms of how we accomplish that changed with Jesus, and uh, the relationship changed. Um, Old Testament, you would not even think of mentioning the name of God. It was too holy. It was too sacred. It was, frankly, too scary to mention the name of God. And uh, uh, with the temple torn, the curtain torn, now we have access through Jesus Christ. There's still a high priest involved in this, uh, and it's Jesus. It's not... The local high priests, or however that came about, but um, that uh, that we now have access to God and can actually speak His name. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure that we even grasp um, 
any longer, sadly, how holy it is, what a privilege it is to be able to speak the name of God, uh, because it's pretty casually tossed around in multiples of ways today. Um, but I, I just, uh, I go to Hebrews a lot when I think about the, the torn curtain and the relationship change and, and all that changed in terms of uh, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Um, there was, uh, I was, uh, I don't know, the other day I was reading someplace and uh, there was actually four events, uh, not actually all, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, I don't think any one of them recorded all four events, but there was a darkness that settled over the land. I believe that was Matthew. Well, Mark was that Luke? That too. Yeah, it's in Mark too. Mark too, uh, yeah. And then there was um, a darkness that settled over the land. Uh, the temple curtain was torn. Uh, there was an earthquake, and then the dead rose. Some of the dead rose. Uh, Why don't, don't you explain that, Randy? <laughs> how the dead rise? <laughs> yes, are we funny this morning? Well, the, t- the tomb comes open, and they rise. <laughs> I, that's about as far as I get to there it. You, go. you know, there it's, you go. There's something pretty... Um, I, I almost yeah, hesitate kind of to use the word miraculous because I don't think we understand that any longer. But I mean, there's something holy that mm-hmm. happens. I like the word mystery mm-hmm. uh, to that, uh, and it's not like the what is it? The mysteries sh- television. Sh- I mean, there is yeah. something holy <laughs> and mysterious. And if I could pl- plug the word sovereign into this, there's something so far beyond us that that some of the intent I think is is to make us step back in awe and say. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure where else I was going with that at, at this point. But I, um, this covenant thing, uh, uh, the terms of it just so radically changed uh, because people couldn't, they just couldn't live in the old covenant. They couldn't, they couldn't follow any of the rules of the old covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. We'll have to put a, maybe just a footnote here. Um, on on the 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 raising of the dead uh, as mentioned as one of the events come back and talk about mm-hmm. that that yeah. that is a very uh, is very interesting and very it's not super complex but it 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 lends itself maybe to a later conversation yeah, about exactly. where this text in, ends up here on yeah. Sunday and yeah. all that kind of stuff but yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's certainly a good a good question that people have continued to ask a right, lot right. Uh, throughout history. Right, so right. If you're right. sitting there going, I'm sorry, what did what was he talking about again? It's it's all right. It's all right. We'll come back to it later. We'll cover it later. Yeah. 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 So there's just a lot going on that day. A mm-hmm. lot, lot, lot going on. And um, um, I mean we could go into detail about several things, but um, then we'd be here all day. So um I think maybe it's a it's a good time to kind of pause and say we welcome your questions, um, and and please um, please talk to us about this because this is you know if uh, if there are some things in this that that we don't understand we really need to we really need to understand this and, and understand different perspectives. Right. Yeah, and you know again this is one one gospel writer's right. Uh, right. view of this event, and uh, you know we. We take that into account with the other three, with uh, Paul's, uh, you know, interpretation of it uh, later, with some of the other apostles, some of the other New Testament writers. Randy mentioned Hebrews. You know, this is a 
Um, this is an event that continues to get uh, thought about and uh, re-kind of uh, reviewed, interpreted again and again and again through the life of the church. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it, it's no problem to sit there and, and go, boy, I wonder what that really what that really right. means. It has um, almost an inexhaustible amount of um of meaning absolutely in, in layers and layers and layers that that uh that it doesn't mean it's um you know uh something that is mysterious doesn't mean that it can't be unknown what it means is that the knowing has infinite limits to it so you continue to know and know and know and know and know it's not something that you just go well i i, I don't know that that's that's not knowable mm-hmm. that's not what mystery is mystery is unending uh, unending knowing. Uh, there's always something new in there. There's always something uh, to be uh, experienced again. Uh, so yeah, th- this is one of those moments that's really short. It's a really short text in mm-hmm. Mark. It's one of the shortest mm-hmm. you know, accounts of the crucifixion. So Mark packs a lot in there. Um, I think he does it in a specific way that's that's helpful. Yeah. Mark's entire gospel is is a very concise gospel. Yes. So mm-hmm. he doesn't very mince any so. words. No, not at all. I I think one of the, and I talked about this in the the prayer post on Monday, which you can look back in, um, but the way that Mark talks about time um, mm-hmm. throughout yeah. this crucifixion is kind of a unique, uh, not necessarily unique to Mark, but Mark really highlights it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of his methods, and uh, the church early on picked up on that in terms of their patterns of prayer. Uh, so it can be a pattern of prayer for us too, just like Mark is marking time, no pun intended yeah. there, um, through through the hours of the crucifixion. He mentions nine, he mentions noon, he mentions uh, three o'clock, and then it's outside of the the section of text that we dealt that we dealt with uh, for this uh, Sunday, but then talks about um, the evening, which would mm-hmm. be most likely around six uh, or so. Um, and so there's this this kind of overarching um, look at how this plays out through the day mm-hmm. and using time as a, an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really appreciate that yeah. about Mark. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. being able to look at the day and go, okay, this is about how long this happened mm-hmm. and this is about, so I, I really right. appreciate that. Yeah, it means something. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Well, the music's fading up. All right. So that means we're done. You go for it. I guess. And uh, we're we're glad that you're listening today. And uh, again, if you do have uh, questions, we'd love to uh, get those involved in the conversation. You can do that by um, clicking the comments uh, link. If you're in the app, uh, if you're on the website, there's a comment section below. Um, If you're listening in a podcast player, just go to uh, connectwithcalvary.org slash daily connection. You'll find a way to comment uh, there. And next week, uh, we'll be back with a deeper dive into uh, the Sunday Resurrection Sunday. Yay! Uh, really. So we're out of Lent. We're into Easter. Praise great... God for Easter. <laughs> Indeed. Until then, uh, grace and peace.